Well, we want to continue this week in the book of James. And I want to encourage you, um, when there's a, a Bible study or a Bible teacher or whatever, read the book that they're studying on. Because sometimes if you don't bring your Bible and you don't read what the Bible says, sometimes there's a tendency to kind of like take a little bit here and take a little bit there and kind of put it together, not the way God intended it to be. But tonight we're going to talk about praying and receiving. We're going to talk about the wisdom of God. The definition of wisdom is knowledge of what's right and true coupled with good judgment. So when we ask God for wisdom, sometimes it's what's right and what's true and right coupled with good judgment. So there's a, a one plus one equals wisdom. Right and true, good judgment, wisdom. Sometimes we have we know what's right and true, but we don't operate with good wisdom or good judgment. Sometimes we have good judgment, but we're ignorant on what's right and true. So when we ask God for wisdom, we can be very certain that God will give us the truth, which is found in his word, and he'll direct us and give us the good judgment on how to use that. See, good judgment's a choice. So I want to start off with there, and and you know what's right and true. You know, how many of you know it's not good to eat a box of cookies in one sitting? How many of you know that by experience? Don't raise your hand. You know, how many of you know it's not good to spend more money than what you make? You know, how many of you know that by experience? You know, so sometimes we know what's right to do but we don't do it because we get into our head that we think we know better and then there's nothing god can do for us except for to sit there and wait until we come to our senses which is called repentance and then god's there and he's kind and he's gentle and he's able to pick us up and he's able to show us how to get back on the right track and we know that the devil's defeated and yet sometimes christians like to have them around because they can say, well, the devil's after me. The devil's doing this. The devil's doing that. And it keeps us from having full responsibility for our choices. We established last week that the devil's a defeated enemy. He's defeated. And if we give him power, that's up to us. You know, we need to grow up and face the fact that we are our own worst enemies. It's not the devil. It's us and poor judgment or ignorance of the word. Spiritual growth is dependent on how fast you're willing to learn and how fast you're able to obey. If you can do those two things, then you'll grow spiritually. Amen. So Father, tonight we just lift you we just lift this up to you. Lord, let our fa- let our faith be focused tonight, let our ears be open. Lord, let us see, Father God, and let us make course corrections if necessary. And Father God, thank you for revelation knowledge coming out of me and hitting the ears and the spirits of the people. And Lord, that we truly won't leave here the same. And we just give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we can even receive wisdom from God, we have to believe that he is. It says in Proverbs 1.7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fool, God calls him a fool, one that doesn't believe in God. That's a fool. How many of you can say amen to that? A fool doesn't believe in God. I mean, they'll, they'll tell you about evolution and the Big Bang and how we got here. And it's like, all right, duh, if there's a Big Bang, how do you get order out of that? Somebody tell me, and nobody's been able to answer, when there's a big explosion, how do things get put back into order? If I had a a box of Legos and I decided to throw them up in the air, if they came down in perfect order, it would be really weird, wouldn't it? Because that's not how it works. But a fool says in his heart, there is no God. And even if the fool is successful in this life, God calls him a fool if he says there is no God. And we've got Howard Hughes. We've got all these famous people who never believed in God and went straight to hell 
their last breath here was their their next breath was in hell because they were a fool. I don't care how wise they were in finances. They could be wise in one area and know how to work the principles of God, but they were a fool because they didn't believe in God. So we have to be sure that as Christians, we're not fools. A fool thinks he's always right. Always right. A fool won't listen to wisdom. A fool is in danger of making bad decisions because his source of wisdom agrees with his worldview. So it doesn't matter if they're successful in one area. God calls them a fool if they don't believe that he is. A fool is in constant turmoil and anxiety because he won't humble himself and say he is wrong. And if you look at people like Howard Hughes, where they were just they were psychotic nutcases. You know, they he couldn't he was he had this clean thing, he he, had, he couldn't um it was O C D, just wash his hands continually and do things. So people who don't believe in God, even though they look successful in one area, if you look at the whole picture you'll see that there's there's flaws in that picture of success. A fool acts and reacts according to what his circumstances and his mind says. So James 1, 5 through 8 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And if you look at, if you've ever been down to like Galveston and you've seen the ocean, you could see the waves, how they just, they just keep coming. But, and they've got kind of a pattern, but they're not predictable. And you can see if you put something into there, how that little object just gets tossed to and fro and it's all over the place. It gets pulled underneath with the undertow. And we don't want to be tossed and driven with the sea. We want to be stable. And we want to put this on one more way. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Let's look at it this way. If any of you lack knowledge of what is true and right or lack good judgment, ask God. So instead of wisdom, if we put the definition in there, James says, if any of you lack knowledge of what is true and right or lack good judgment, ask God. So if you're not sure of what's right, you can ask God. And if you're not sure if you have good judgment in that area, you can ask God. So God breaks it down and he makes it easy for us to know if we have true wisdom or not. If you establish in your heart that God's your only source for everything you need, then your focus will be on him when you need help. God's our source. But it sounds good and religious. And it means that when you walk out that door, it's good to be in here and to nod. But then when you're faced with something, sometimes it's not enough. You have to remember what you've been taught. You know, you, can, you cannot declare that you're only looking God, to God for your help and then fret and be angry when things don't turn out the way you thought they would turn out. So we can't be mad at God in the process. If we're in the middle of the stream, we can't be mad at God because we're in the middle of the stream. We have to ask God for wisdom on how to keep going. What's my next step, Lord? Lord, I don't see the next step, but I know that you have a next step for me. So, Lord, just I'm going to be still and I'm going to wait until I get peace. Peace is your umpire in everything that you do. Peace. And that peace is when you can lay your head on the pillow at night and not think about it and not be formulating plan B, C, D, E, but it's when you put your head on the pillow and you say, Lord, you know, my world is coming apart at the seams. I've got all these problems, but Lord, you're in control and I'm going to rest and I'm going to wake up refreshed. That's when you know you've got the victory in whatever's going on. It's not that God's going to solve a problem immediately. Sometimes things happen and they're, 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 they take a long time to straighten out. You know why? I don't know why. I'm, you know, you'll have to take that up with the Lord. I don't know. But you need to remain stable when you're in those times when it seems like everything's falling apart. Learn how to receive knowledge from God and trust him and don't look at the symptoms. Don't look at the checkbook. 
Don't look at that kid that's running wild that you want to pick up by the neck and just go, hey, you know better than that. You know, don't look at your husband or your wife or, you know, look at the people in the church. Look at God. Focus on God. Because the devil will send things, even though he's defeated. It's like a fly or a mosquito, something that you just can't seem to get away from. But James warns us that an unstable man, one who says he trusts in God but charges ahead of God using poor judgment or doesn't know what God says is right about a situation, will receive nothing from him. So we have to be careful that we don't charge ahead before we have good judgment. Sometimes we don't have good judgment. I mean, I had to learn. I was like a ground zero Christian when I got saved I didn't know nothing so I couldn't charge ahead in wisdom I could charge ahead of God but I had to wait and get some wisdom on things because I didn't know anything and when you have when you charge ahead and you make a mess then you have to wait and repent and then God has to take you back and then you have to kind of do a do over And then you have to go back up and then you have to make sure that you do it right the next time and hear from God and take the right steps. But we don't want to use poor judgment and we don't want to know what God says is right about a situation. We must learn how to pray and receive from God's spirit. Now, God uses people that talk to you. Like my husband will give me wisdom on things. I'll give him wisdom on things. You know, other people will give you wisdom. If it bears witness with your spirit and you know that it's from God, you know the word of God, then you know that you've received something. But if somebody gives you something and it's not from God and you don't get a piece about it, how many of you ever had somebody tell you what you should do and you got a real check in your spirit and God said, don't don't do that? And it could even be from a Christian. You know, don't do that. And you're thinking, well... Okay, I'm going to obey that check in my spirit. I'm not going to do it. Or you say, well, you know, geez, you know, that's my best friend. And my best friend told me to do that. So then we go ahead and we use our poor judgment again. We didn't use wisdom. Because we have to have both. We have to have knowledge of what's true and good. And we have to have good judgment. And then we have wisdom. In James 3:13 through 18, it says, Who among you is wise and intelligent? Let him by his good conduct show his good deeds with the gentleness and humility of true wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be arrogant, and as a result, be in defiance of the truth. This superficial wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, secular, natural, unspiritual, even demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, There is disorder, unrest, rebellion, and every evil, and every evil thing and morally degrading practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, morally and spiritually undefiled, then peace-loving, courteous, considerate, gentle, reasonable, and willing to listen, full of compassion and good fruits. It is unwavering without self-righteous hypocrisy and self-serving guile. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness Spiritual maturity is sown in peace by those who make peace by actively encouraging goodwill between individuals. So that's quite a mouthful, and I read out of the Amplified. But James 13 through 18 differentiates between God's wisdom and worldly wisdom. James gives this instruction so that we can recognize where our thoughts and ideas come from. You've got to know where a thought and idea come from in order to obey it or, or reject it. God's wisdom creates real peace, and when we have God's wisdom, we can sleep. We've got peace. We know that God's got it. It doesn't matter what the symptoms say. It doesn't matter what it looks like. We can put our head on the pillow and we can rest. If we've got worldly wisdom and we've made a decision to do something that's not from God, you might have peace in the beginning, but it's going to show up later. And how we know that? Well, look at Abram and Sarah. You know, they got a little impatient waiting for Isaac. And so she said, well, just go take my maid. 
And Ishmael caused a lot of problems. Finally, they ended up throwing the mother and Ishmael out into the wilderness. So even though you think you're helping God, sometimes you create what, you know, they say, well, don't create an Ishmael. Well, that's where it came from. Because sometimes we get a promise from God and we run ahead before we have the wisdom to fulfill the call. Worldly wisdom creates nothing but turmoil and strife. But in the beginning, it can give a counterfeit peace. It's like, oh, finally, you know, Sarah and Abram, they're going to have that heir, finally. So it created some peace in the beginning until the problem started to, as they as the child grew. And then when they had Isaac and Ishmael was tormenting Isaac. So... Worldly wisdom can cause more problems than it solves. Sometimes pride will creep in and then we stubbornly cling to a wrong decision because we can't admit we're wrong. How many of you have ever done that? You've made a wrong decision and you're going to stand by it. You're going to be on that Titanic until it goes down because you have made that decision and your pride is not going to let you say, I'm sorry I was wrong. And see, we refuse to listen to other people. We think we know better than anybody else. That's the fruit of worldly wisdom. That's when you can take a step back and say, maybe I was wrong. As a matter of fact, I know I was wrong. You know, and people try to tell you, and it's like, you know, I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. We've all said it. I, I can. Am I the only one who says things like that sometimes? <laughs> I don't know. You're all so quiet. But, um... You know, that is the fruit of worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom creates strife, discord, envy, the need to be right. If you've got a situation where you need to be right, I mean, you can just look at politics and see what's going on now. You can't even have a civil discussion with somebody who disagrees with you, right or left. You can't civilly discuss it. Worldly wisdom, full of pride. Worldly wisdom seeks the satisfaction of always being right to put the other person down. Hey, you can have the last word, but are you going to win them to Christ? Are you going to show them Christ-like? You know, there, there's this thing in this world that we all just have to be right because we know we're right and, and you're wrong and I'm right and you need to listen to me. And see, that's the spirit of this world. That's not Christ-like. Even if you disagree with somebody, give them the courtesy of hearing out what they have to say. You know, don't sit there and think you're so self-righteous Listen to them and then respond like Jesus would respond. It's to the point I can't even watch anything on television because they're all yelling at each other. And it's like it, it just it's like turn the channel, do something, get it off there because they're all yelling. How, how does that edify anybody? It doesn't. But that's where worldly wisdom is. Worldly wisdom tears down because it must always be right no matter what. Worldly wisdom creates weary, fear, and doubt. So if you've made a decision and you're worried about it, I heard a, a, a message from Times Square Church yesterday, and I, it, Tim Delaney said something really good. He said, worry is taking tomorrow's problems and putting it in today and trying to, figure, and trying to carry it with today's strength. So you're carrying a double load if you've got worry. So worldly wisdom creates worry, fear, doubt. You know, you're unstable. You know, I want to believe God. I want to I want to get my healing. But, you know, well, maybe, you know, and you're checking it in the mirror all the time. Or, you know, you're always rubbing it and looking at it and saying, geez, I wonder if it's healed. Or, you know, you've got a financial need and you, you keep looking in your wallet or you keep doing things that, you know, well, all right, I'll just put it on the credit card just this one more time. And then, oh, what am I going to do? i got to pay for it. And, and I'm not sleeping. And, oh, my God, what am I going to do? My daughter, I know she's going to go to hell. I know she is. I know, and I'm worried, and I'm fearful. You know, but then I'm going to praise God, and she's going to be saved. And, you know, so you're double-minded. You can't make up your mind what you're saying. Well, how do you expect God to answer a prayer like that? You know, if you think about it, First you're saying, oh, I'm so, I'm so scared and I'm worried, and what about this? So then God says, all right, we'll have to wait now. I don't have anything to work with. Where's the faith that I can work in the situation? 
And it's like, oh, God, I love you, I love you, I trust you, Lord. Okay, now I can work. Oh, I'm so afraid. What am I going to do? Well, now God's got to sit and wait again. So an unstable person keeps going back and forth and can't make up their mind. And you don't get anything from God because God's not sure what you really want. You want to keep the worry? Okay. You know, you have dominion. You, you're the boss. You've got a free will in this. So if you're always worried and you're talking that, and God's saying, well, I, I don't have any faith to work with there. I can only respond to faith. So we give God a little bit of faith so he starts to move. And then we go, oh, no, I'm so worried. What are we going to do? What are we going to do, Clarence? What are we going to do? And then, all right, well, then God's got to wait. And then we give him a little bit of faith on Sunday morning. Then afterwards, we're, we're back. So God can't move in that. We've got to be stable no matter what the circumstances say. You know, it's, it's always been said to choose your battles wisely, and we have to do that. Don't, lose, don't win an argument with somebody and create a, create a barrier with them. You know, your, your witness is ineffective. Our primary goal on this earth is to be soul winners and disciple others. You know, don't be so self-righteous because you think you're right. You can be right, but you can be wrong so much because God doesn't want you to win that argument. God wants you to win that soul. So the seeds of worldly wisdom will only produce a crop of confusion and strife. Worldly wisdom won't produce anything positive. And we can see it when we look out on the streets. We can see that worldly wisdom is not creating anything positive. Spiritual wisdom is directly opposite from worldly wisdom. When we ask God for wisdom, we have to differentiate between the two by examining and comparing them. When we're pressured either by circumstances, financially, health-wise, family issues, we have a tendency to think we've heard from God and have his judgment when we don't. Have you ever been fooled like that? Sarah and Abram were. They thought they heard from God. We're just going to help God out. It's getting a little, little late, so let's just do that. Look, Abram, I'm 90 years old. You know, I'm, well, not at that point. They were 75. You know, I'm 75. You know, so yeah, it sounds like a plan. Well, it wasn't a good plan. You know, we have to examine when we're, pre- when we're under pressure. The pressure to act now may come from a desperation in our own spirit. Act now. You've got to act now. You ever get on those late, late night things? got to act now. You know, those commercials in between your show, you've got to act now. You know, if you act now in 10 more minutes, we'll just double that offer. But you've got to act now. got to act now. And when they're saying act now, that's the time when you should slow down. Maybe you ought to just go and get a drink of water or something. Shut, yeah, shut off the TV maybe. <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> but it's act now. And sometimes God does put an urgency in our spirit to act. But the urgency from the devil is born out of fear, not faith. You know, we we had a situation years ago, well, a couple of years ago, where we knew people that got into a financial scam. And they were right. You couldn't talk to them. They heard from God. It was like, well, you know, if you tried to reason with them, you said, well, you know, you can't make, I think it was like 10,000%. You put $250 in, you got, I don't forget how much money. It was really a ridiculous amount of money. And you couldn't tell, you know, we tried to say, well, if everybody got, if, if this investment came through, there's not enough dollars on the earth to pay everybody. So, you know, so how would that work? Like, that's not even counting how many dollars that they could print or whatever they could do. So you're trying to reason with them. And, and one woman said, well, it's so, it's, it's so impossible. It's just like God. And it's like, no, it's just so impossible that it's impossible. You know, we have to use common sense. But they had been pressured by somebody they trusted, somebody they didn't think would lead them astray, and they didn't do their own research. You know, I was approached. I did research. I got on, I went to DaveRamsey.com. It was the quickest thing I could figure out. I 
I put it in there, and about two minutes later, I had my answer. It's a scam. I knew it was a scam, but I wanted to have some information on it. Common sense, sometimes, you know, we think as Christians that God will do the impossible, which is true, and I'm not debating that. But sometimes God has to work in the framework of what's already set up. Why would he put an investment there where it would... It would take everybody's money to pay the investment plus money that hasn't even been printed yet. That doesn't mean, that makes no sense. I mean, even saying it, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds ridiculous. But you couldn't convince them otherwise. And then what happened was, is they got so spiritually prideful because the people who didn't invest in it were dummies. But you see, that's how the devil works. And it can be used in any any arena, you know, your health. It can be in that way. We can get spiritually prideful if we are doing something that we think everybody should be doing and they're not listening to us because we're way out in left field somewhere. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. $250 will not make $100,000 ever in anybody's economy. But God, no, not but God. I mean, look at this. It's ridiculous. But then what happened was, was they felt superior because they felt like they were the elite. And the rest of us were dummies. Well, I still had my $250, and I still have my $250. And guess what? They lost it. Some put in quite a bit more than $250. And guess what? It didn't matter how much you put in. Guess what happened? You still lost it. Because a scam is a scam is a scam. So, you know, we, we have to be careful that we're not so full of ourselves and think we're all that, that when somebody says, hey, you want to look at this? That it's like, no, you know, you're, you're stupid and I'm smart. I'm the smart one. You know, because you're going to end up being the dumb one afterwards. You know, another example is a Christian woman who thinks she's heard from God regarding marriage and he's an abusive person or he's an unbeliever or he's an abusive unbeliever and they've heard from God. No, you haven't heard from God. You know, but her emotions have fashioned her wisdom after her own desires. And see, that's what it says. I think it's Ezekiel 16 where it says, I'm going to give you idols fashioned after your own desires. So we have to be very careful that our desires, we pray until we get a real peace in our spirit. Because I can guarantee you that those women who have married unbelievers or abusive after being told, please don't do that, please reconsider, that they've been reconsidering, even if it's just in their own selves. You know, our emotions can lead us to believe things that are false. You know, and I always jokingly tell Clarence, my heart says. And, you know, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. That's what Jeremiah says in the Bible. The heart is deceitfully wicked, although I try to make it different. You know, but our emotions can get us in trouble. If we feel something is right, we can act without checking it against the word of God which is truth, and then we don't use good judgment. See, there, there's a two-part to wisdom. There's what's truth, what's in this word, and then there's using good judgment. It's a, Good judgment is just applying what you've learned in the word, and then you've got the wisdom of God. So we've gone through the bad parts. Now let's look at the attributes of spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom is pure. In other words, there's no hidden motives. The only motive is to instruct, rebuke, teach, and encourage. Nothing is deceptive or hurtful. Spiritual wisdom is kind. It's peaceable. There's no strife or nastiness, at least not on your part. Now, the other person's part, I can't speak for them. I'm just only speaking to you. But if the other person is nasty and terrible, that's on them. It's not on you. Your part is to be the gentle one, the peaceable one, the agreeable one, 
but not to be the one that you're being walked over. Like I told you, I think it was last week, Clarence is one of the most peaceable persons I know. He's got the most joy of, of most people that I know. And people sometimes are deceived to thinking he's a pushover. But if you say something that he does not agree with, he will let you know in no uncertain terms. But he'll do it kindly. He's a gentleman. and he's, But he's going to be firm about it. He knows good boundaries. He knows he knows how to do it. And I'm always impressed when he does it, too. It's like, yeah, you, you're, you're a good man. You're a real good man. But he's gentle. He's not pushy. This type of wisdom does not seek to put up walls between people. He can talk to somebody who, who disagrees with him. And a lot of times he can get that person to agree with him because he uses wisdom. Is that true? Did I say that right? <laughs> wisdom, spiritual wisdom, is full of mercy. The motive is to correct and to win a soul, not to win a trivia contest. See, some of us, our personalities were so aggressive and so competitive that we have to win no matter what it is. And when we're talking about souls, you can't do that. Our job is to win a soul, not to put up a wall so that they never talk to you or darken the door of a church again. See, we have to use wisdom. Even if on the inside you're going, you know, get a hold of yourself and look at that person in a hundred years. Is what you're talking about going to make any kind of a difference whatsoever? No, it's not going to if they're in hell because you didn't entreat them, because you didn't do what God told you to do. It's going to make a difference for their eternity. See, it doesn't matter whether we're right or wrong. We are not our own. We were bought with a price. And we have to honor God with our mouths, with our attitudes, and we have to use his wisdom because God sees everything all at once. God sees the whole picture. God sees how to do it. Now, when we read in Acts where Stephen, he just gave out the whole history of the Israelites. He wasn't nasty or anything. He just gave out the facts and they couldn't take it. So sometimes when you're using wisdom and you're being gentle or you're being peaceful and you're making a stand, you're going to have an adverse reaction. But that doesn't mean that you have an adverse reaction. That means they have it. God will deal with it. You just obey God and use wisdom and be peaceable. Spiritual wisdom is full of good fruit. This kind of wisdom shows others you love them by listening to them and respecting them. People want respect. If you disrespect somebody, you've lost them. They're not going to come back. They're not going to come and, and seek a conversation with you because you've put up a wall and they don't want anything to do with you because you've disrespected them, you've humiliated them. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. However, set the boundaries, too. I mean, don't let anybody walk all over you. And that's a balance, but that's a different, that's a different boundaries are a whole different subject. God gives wisdom freely to everyone. He's gracious and kind to us, even if we really don't deserve it. The seeds of spiritual wisdom are sown in peace. God is a God of peace and order. He won't press us or stress us. When we get his wisdom, he gives us a peace. And now we can go forward. Why? Because we have the peace of God and we know that God's with us. Amen? It says, The harvest which the seed of spiritual wisdom produces righteousness or spiritual maturity in us. So that's the seeds of, of wisdom. The harvest which the seed of spiritual wisdom produces is righteousness. For the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And the things of this earth, the more that you study, the more that you get involved with the Holy Spirit, the less the things of this earth really matter that much. It doesn't matter anymore as much. So it says in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, 
I want to talk for just a little bit about the basic necessities about prayer. It says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he, will, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father, which is in heaven, or how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? All right? God is your only source. He's your only source of what you need. Not people, not a job, not anything else. If you have anything good tonight, it's ultimately it's because God gave it to you. And if it was because of your hard work, it was because God gave you the ability to work hard. He gave you the brain that you have. He gave you the creativity that you have. Anything that you have good, every good gift is from God. That's why we praise him. That's why we're so thankful to God, because he's given us every good thing. He gave me the ability to, to, to speak, to speak out truth. He gave me the ability to write. He gave me the ability to create and to do things. I'm thankful every day. He's given me the ability to walk. You know, just think of this thing. Think of right now, we're all breathing, and none of us are really thinking about it. The blood is going through our veins, and we're not thinking about it. And think about all the things that God does behind the scenes, just inside of our body. That's enough to make you think, God, you're amazing. You're just amazing. Every good gift, everything that you've been given is from God, and he's your source of supply. If you believe that, then it's a lot easier when you have a need, when you have something, and you say, God, I know I have this need, and now I'm asking for your wisdom on what to do, how to do it. It's easy to look toward other people, a job, the doctor, or a bank account, because we can see them. But what happens when the job is over? What happens when the bank account dries up? What happens if the husband leaves? What happens? The only thing we can truly count on in this life is God our Father. Nothing else, anything you can see here, is subject to change, good and bad. It's subject to change for the positive. It's subject to change for the negative. Anything you can see is subject to change. Why? Because this is temporal. The things that we can't see are eternal, and they're not subject to change. There's absolutes. You know, there's absolutes here. If I throw something up in the air, it's absolutely going to fall down. But there's absolutes in the spiritual realm. But anything we see is subject to change because it's temporary. It breaks down. It rusts. You know, you, you have a pretty dress on, and it's pretty for a while, and then it gets a hole in it, or you spill something on it. or You know, this is just the corruptible world that we live in. Things break down. But the only thing we can truly count on is God. Everybody in this room lives by faith. We have faith when we flip on a light switch that it's not going to explode, right? Or you sit in a chair and it's not going to collapse. You know, we have faith when we you know, we brush our teeth that all of our teeth aren't going to fall out. I mean, you think about all the little things that it requires faith to live in this this world. You know, all the little things that we just take for granted that just, you know, I mean, I hope you never flip on a light switch and, you know, the thing explodes. You know, or you're, I mean, I, I think about these things sometimes. It's like, God, I'm, I'm brushing my teeth. I'm thankful that they're all not falling out while I'm brushing them. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, when I walk on here, I don't fall like it's quicksand. Maybe I'm the only one in the room who thinks like that. But, man, you think about all the little things that it takes faith to live in this world, whether you're a, a heathen or whether you're a saint. It takes faith to live in this world. Well, you might as well have faith in God, because if anything anything like that does happen, you're going to need to call on God, right? Because we all live by faith, and we don't even think about it. But God is the source of everything. He's the source of everything for us. Every good and every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, the creator and sustainer of the heavens. 
in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting, or shadow cast by his turning, for he is perfect and never changes. That's James 1.17. Every good gift comes from God. A saint deeply rooted in God will always find the wisdom necessary for their problem. Obedience is the currency of blessing. We need to obey God. God says, don't do it. We're like, yes, sir. God says, do it. We're like, yes, sir. Okay? If we have perfect obedience, we'd be perfect. But I know even, you know, just in my own life, that we're not always perfect. We miss it. And that's why we have First John 1, 9. When we miss it, we repent. We tell God we're sorry. We tell people we're sorry. And then we get up from there and we move on. We don't beat ourselves up because we missed it. You know, if you use poor judgment somewhere or you didn't know what the word said and so you had faulty reasoning when you made a decision, once you discover it, you don't have to keep going in that direction. You can stop. You know, you can stop and say, God, I missed it. And I'm sorry I missed it. God's not going to beat you up. You know, we have a, a situation in our family, not mine and Clarence, but my my sister's family. And um, so one's not talking to another. I mean, you guys know because you've all got families. So I'm sure that, in some, you know, unless you've got a perfect family where everybody gets along. But um you know, one's not talking to another. So my sister called me and said, well, you know, he said, you know, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And I said, well, you can't do anything about it now. Just sit down, relax, enjoy your day. And when the chips are falling and when you need to be there, be there to pick up the pieces. I mean, what else can you do? I mean, I, that was wisdom. Because my sister is a fighter and she will fight to the finish. And she said, yeah. She goes, that's a good idea. I said, yeah, enjoy your day. There's nothing else you can do. If they don't want to talk to you, and it's a serious situation, you know, if they don't want to talk to you, then there's nothing you can, what can you do? So just enjoy your day. You know, but we can't, we, we have to have the wisdom in order to, to go to the next step. And then if we don't, we just, if we miss it, we just repent. I mean, there's no... It's not a big deal to repent. It's not a big deal to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. You know, but sometimes we get haughty about our repentance even. You know, we go, I'm sorry, I was wrong, but you made me. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) If you're going to win points with that person may I give you some advice stop at I'm sorry I was wrong don't put the butt in there you know but you you know because that that just you just negated everything that you tried to do you know by being you know we don't always see the thing is is we don't use wisdom because we think we always have to be right and we don't always have to be right if we make a mistake, go to that person and say, I'm sorry. And if they start, nee, 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 you know, then you need to have wisdom so you don't deck them and say, listen, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to apologize and you're not giving me any grace because they may have the maturity issue. But you need to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And then if they go on, but you, then, then, and say, well, you know, that's how you feel, but I, I ask you to forgive me for my part, and I pray that you can find it in your heart to forgive me, and then you need to walk away. I mean, you know, I don't know what else you can do, but we need wisdom to handle situations that are really tough, and we need God's wisdom. You know, it says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, asking, believing, asking, trusting, asking the Lord expecting him to do what you've asked him to do. If we ask God, he's not going to give us a snake. He's going to give us what we want. Doubt. To have a divided opinion. In other words, you don't really know what you believe. 
The word of God works every time, and God honors his word. That We have to remember that tonight. It's up to us to learn how to pray in faith. Have confidence in God. Don't pray and then negate it by saying, I hope God heard me. You know, we've prayed for people, and then they go, well, I hope it worked. You know, and I'm sure you've said that at some time. I know I've said that at times because I've been in such a desperate situation that my mind is just, it's so full of my ideas, my plans, my thoughts, and I get somebody to pray with me about it. And then I think in myself, well, God, I hope it worked this time. Well, if you're in that situation, keep praying. Keep going to people to get prayer. Don't stop. Because sometimes we get so bogged down and confused. Have you ever been in a place you just don't know which way to turn? You're asking God for wisdom. But you just can't seem to get the wisdom. Because the circumstances, it's when I've been in situations like that, it's almost like you have like a like a styrofoam thing. You know when you take out like a doll out of a box or something, they've got all these packaging and you're like trying to take it all out. And then the last thing is that styrofoam thing over it. And you gotta now you gotta un, you gotta tape it, take the tape off, and then you gotta rip that off. And I feel sometimes when I have gone through things where it's been you know, it's been the finances and the kids and it's been pressures at the churches I've I've been in and it's been that and you feel like you've got this styrofoam ball on your head and you can't really get anything from God. You're crying out for wisdom but you can't seem to get it because so much is going on in your head. And if you could just quiet your head down for one minute, you could get it. But if you feel if you let go of that problem and just kind of free fall that there's gonna be no parachute for you. So you don't, you're afraid to let go and afraid to really let God deal with you. But you know that that's the only answer. But then you go back for prayer because you can't hear anything because you've got this thing all over you and you're trying to break through it. But then if you let God have it, then what if God doesn't come through for you? And then you've got all these thoughts in your head and it's running around and God's just saying, be still, have faith, be still, have faith. And it's like, I'm trying to have faith and I'm trying to be still, but then I've got these things that I have to do. And see, sometimes we have to pull ourselves out of the situation and find a place where we can sit quiet before God. And it's probably not going to be in your own house. It's why if you call us and say, I need to use this prayer room back here, it's a very nice little prayer room. And if we're home, we'll open up the door and let you in. And you can pray to your heart's content in there. And it's a good place because it gets you away from everything and everybody and the phone ringing. Just leave your phone outside of the, you know, leave it on the altar or leave it somewhere. But sometimes you just need to break out of something that it doesn't help when you're in the same place at the same time all all the time. Sometimes you need a different place where there's anointing, there's a different atmosphere. Does that make sense to anybody? Because I know that's when I have struggled with getting wisdom from God, it's because I've been bombarded with thoughts and trying to figure it out myself. And there's God doesn't have a hope of getting through. He doesn't have a hope of getting through because I, I'm so scared of the consequences if these things happen. So we have to sometimes get out of our routine, get in a different place. What I used to do when I got in such a place where I couldn't hear from God, I would do things. I had a room in my basement in Massachusetts. We have basements in there. I finally got used to not having a basement here. At first I was scared because there was no basement. It's like, well, where do you go if there's a storm? I always ran in the basement, but I didn't know where to go here. I guess you go into your interior thing. But we had a basement in Massachusetts, and that's where I had a room. I had a prayer room down there. And if it got really bad with my head, with things going on, and I couldn't hear from God, I would move the desk to a different part of the room, or I would do something so that it would be different. It just wouldn't be the same routine all the time. 
So even if you have to do that is move your furniture around to make it different, just to do something. I had to, once I put up a sheet because I had, um, I had my, my ex-husband hadn't moved out yet and he still had all of his books in there and it was just, it was driving me crazy. I said, here's my prayer room and I got all this stuff in there. So I put up a sheet because I couldn't, I didn't want to move the books. There was just so many. I just put up a sheet to block it and it worked. It felt better. It felt better than I could pray. So if you've got to where you're so bogged down, and I mean, how many can bear witness to this where you've just got so many things running around in your head that God does not have a chance of getting in a thought? You need to change your arrangement. You need to come down here, just call and say, you know, can I come down and use the prayer room? And if we're home, the answer is yeah, sure, come on, no problem. But change where you are, and it won't, you know, it's not like you have to change it forever. You might even have to just change it for just like, you know, like that time that you needed. And then who knows, while you're in there, you might get somebody down here that's going to pray with you. And it could clear it up just like that. It's like if you have an infection and you're putting stuff on it, it isn't working, and you just get something else, and it works right away, and now it's gone. So if you're confused and you're bogged down or you're ashamed because things are not going right, sometimes you just need to change what you're doing when you're seeking God. Amen. Sometimes you just need to go go to a different room. Or if you've got so much turmoil in your house, sit in your car and pray. Or walk outside and pray. Or do something. But if you continue to be in the same place, what I'm afraid of is that that cloud, that, that styrofoam thing that you can't seem, that God can't seem to break through is going to stay there. So just get in a different place and see if that works. Pray in the Spirit. That works. You don't, know how, you don't know what you're praying for, but God knows. And He'll break through. And then don't give up. If you're going through stuff and you don't have the wisdom of God yet, don't give up. Sometimes when you get in that place, you're trying to read the Bible and it just doesn't make sense or you fall asleep because you're so spiritually drained. You know, this is just practical stuff that I think at one time or another, everybody in this room could say, yeah, I've been there, done that. You know, so I'm not unspiritual. I'm just trying to help you to get over if you're having difficulty. Because sometimes you hear teaching like this and you walk out and you say, well... You know, she's so spiritual. Well, no. No, no. I'm just the one with the microphone right now. And I'm trying to help you so that you can get to that next space where you can hear from God and get the wisdom from God so you can use good judgment. And then you can walk out of your problem. Our senses can lie to us. Our senses can tell us, well, if you don't do that, then something really bad's going to happen. And God's saying, don't do that. But your senses are saying, you better do that. And if you're sense-led, then you're going to go ahead and do something that you shouldn't be doing. You can't be swayed by what you see, what you hear, what you think. Get scripture on the promises of God. You know, that sounds trite maybe, but it's true. The word works. Find scriptures. You know, I was at a point so low that God and God spoke to me with a scripture, Psalm 5. And it was in the Amplified, and I don't have it right here. But it was, it ministered to my heart, and I've used it to minister to many, many single women. You know, that God would be a shield to you. And that he would, he would, um, he would take care of you. When a doubtful thought comes into your mind, push it out with a scripture. You can only think one thought at a time. Even though you've got like a dozen thoughts going around in your head, you can only think one thought. If you have to sing a song, sing a song. But you'll get, you'll start to see the more that you can spend time in your brain with God, the more that God is able to reach down and speak to you. If you ask in faith, then you have to believe you receive in faith. Even if you can't honestly hear from God right now, just say, God, you know where I'm at, 
And I believe that I receive by faith. And just keep doing it. Find a scripture. Find a song. Find something to help you get the breakthrough. You can't. Somebody else can pray for you. But eventually you have to take over your own prayer load. You have to pray for yourself. Even though we pray for one another, ultimately you have to pray for yourself. Don't be like the man who loudly and publicly proclaims that God will meet his needs, but privately he's questioning God. You know, just keep quiet. If you don't believe God, just keep quiet. This man will not receive anything he's asked for because he can't make up his mind. Circumstances look terrible. You know, it's it's always dark before the dawn, right? Sometimes things look really bad, and then you get a big breakthrough. Don't grumble after you've prayed when it seems like God is not coming through for you. Believe God. Trust God. Sing a little chorus. Go on your way. Have a good day. The best thing you can do when you're having a big trial and you don't know what else to do, is just have a good day. Have a good day. And you say, well, how do I do that? Well, you take your problem and you put it in a little box in your mind. And you say, that one's not coming out for now. So you put that, you compartmentalize. Men do it better than women. They've got little boxes in their heads and they compartmentalize everything. Women don't do that as well. But women, you can do that too, is put a little box in your head And if you have a problem, put the problem in the box, leave it alone, and have a good day. The best way you can defeat the devil is you have a good day, no matter what's going on in your life. Amen? Have a good day. Put a smile on your face. It'll drive the devil crazy. Because he's out to destroy you and for you to have a bad day. Our days are numbered. Why would we give him the satisfaction of having a bad day? Amen? Now, we've all had bad days, and I'm not saying that you're never going to have a bad day. I'm saying when you have a bad day, do your best to have a good day. Amen? Don't let your senses, I guess that's what I'm saying, don't let your senses rule your day. Have a good day. That's what I told my sister. Well, there's nothing you can do about it. Just have a good day. Have a good day. Find something and have a good day. I wasn't being funny about it. I was being serious. Have a good day. Why waste time? And then, have you ever noticed when you worry about things, it probably doesn't ever happen? Or it doesn't happen quite as bad as what the picture's painted? So you might as well just believe God and trust Him and say, God, I've asked you for wisdom. I still don't know the direction, but I'm going to have a good day. And I'm going to go forward and just proceed forward. Amen? Reject all doubt. The ability of God is there. God is God and he will do whatever he says. Doubt and fear will hinder your growth. Like I said before, if you give God doubt and fear, he's got nothing. He only works in faith, so we need to give him faith. Stability is your spiritual heritage. You can be a stable Christian. You can operate in the wisdom of God. Amen. Claim it, believe it, and receive it from God, even if right now it doesn't look like it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And Lord, I thank you for those whose backs are up against the Red Sea, whether it's a financial need, whether it's a health need, whether it's a domestic need. Father God, we are speaking in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you by the Holy Spirit that you just take those cobwebs, you take that that styrofoam off their head, the things that, that are hindering them from hearing from God, Father God. We are thanking you that we stand in agreement for our brothers and sisters, Lord, that they can hear your voice. And, Father God, that it is clear. Father, the direction is clear. Father God, we thank you that as they speak your word and as they use, Father God, as they use their good judgment, Lord, that they will operate in wisdom, that they know what is right and true, and they couple it with good judgment. And, Father God, that... We walk in wisdom as a church, Father God. We are thanking you. We thank you, Father, for divine wisdom, for every situation, every hard situation in here, everything that has been just harassing and hindering and 
and just making people miserable. We are thanking you, Father, that each and every one hears your voice and that they get a clear direction. And we just stand in agreement in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, did you get anything from that tonight? Praise God. That's called wisdom from the Bible. Give her a hand. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, thank God. You know, God just wants us to just believe Him, have faith, let, let Him work it out. Praise God. Let God work everything out. He'll do it for us. Amen. Well, let's sing that little course just before we leave because this goes along with what it is, faith. It's only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Only believe. Only All things are possible, only lift your hand and sing, Lord, I believe, Lord, I believe, Lord, I believe, all things are possible. Lord, I believe, Lord, I believe, Lord, I believe, all things are possible, Lord, I, can can we make a positive proclamation, Lord, I receive, Lord. Just reach out and receive it. I receive. Lord, I receive. All things are possible. Lord, I receive. Lord, I receive. Lord, I receive. All things are possible, Lord, I receive. You know, as Pat was teaching, we just need to take that problem, that situation, whatever it is that you're facing. And you know, it's not a sin for you to feel overwhelmed at times. That's not the sin. The sin is when you give in to it. God's not looking down frowning at you because you're in a situation and the devil's brought all of these things against you. But God really smiles when you look to Him and say, Lord, I trust You. I believe You. I believe that You're going to see me through. And God will give you the wisdom. God will give you the wisdom. You know, he may he may show you exactly what to do for your physical condition. I I mean, you know, he's liable to just do that. Uh, he he'll tell you what to do for your financial situation. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. All we have to do is just say, Lord, I'm putting it in your hands. I believe you. I believe you above everything else. I believe you, and that's all that God requires out of us tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, let's lift our hands one more time and just. Just lift it to the Lord. You know, just leave that thing with the Lord right now. (laughs) Just leave it there. Just leave everything at the feet of Jesus right now. Because you and your ability can't make it happen, but God in His power and His strength and His wisdom can make all things happen. Father, we just leave it at Your feet. We leave it at Your feet. We leave it at Your feet. Well, leave it there. Oh, leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. 
If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. One more time. Sing, just leave it there. Oh, leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord. Now make the devil mad and say, Devil, I'm going to leave it there right now. Leave it there. Just leave it at the feet of Jesus. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. How many is ready to leave it there tonight? Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Praise God. God has touched people here tonight. Amen. Sister Francis, we're going to hold you up every day. <laughs> the name of Jesus is above the spondylitis. Amen. The name of Jesus is supreme, powerful. Praise God. Cindy, God's on your side. Hallelujah. Praise God. Surely God hadn't forsaken you. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. God's with us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, let's come back Wednesday. Believe in God for a great time in the Lord. Amen. Did y'all get anything out of this tonight? I did. Praise God. I tell you what, I taught her well, didn't I? Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. 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 Brother Kruger, would you dismiss us tonight in prayer?